You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 15 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the show for November 2014. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a lovely panel as always. Um, I'm going to go in the random order Skype has put you guys, uh, which means that first, welcome aboard, Chuck. Nice to uh, talk to you again. Good to be here, Bart. Thanks for having me. And uh, you do a whole bunch of podcasts, and your podcast is one of the few places where people can see my face, because I don't usually do video, but you make me do video. Yeah, and well, you look great. <laughs> you look Actually, great. The beard, the beard has helped lots. <laughs> Yeah, you can uh, you can find me and you can find Bart's face at macvoices.com. Has our um, all European holiday special been out yet? No, it will go out uh, probably later this week if all goes well. So, so people can't see my face just yet, apart from that one episode of the Mac Jury, which is a while ago. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's always great to have you on and get a get your perspective on things from all the way over this side of the Atlantic. Exactly, and that's exactly why I have you on this show for exactly the inverse perspective <laughs> um thank you chuck also with us it's been a while nick welcome back oh thank you bart yeah it's good to be back and uh, thank you for having me yet again pleasure as always and uh the third voice is a voice that listeners to the photography show will know well it's stefan lassage from belgium and from the tech 45 podcast but this is your first mac show stefan Yes, it's it's my first Mac show, a first uh, English Mac show at least, yeah. That's true. You guys talk about Mac on Tech 45, but of course, if you don't speak uh, Dutch slash Flemish... Yeah, you probably won't have... Uh, uh, you won't probably understand anything we, we say then. Although you might understand why people talk about double Dutch. Yeah, you might. <laughs> Although even... We're not really Dutch, so... Uh, well, no, it's, uh, I, I feel that we should call the language, you know, that we speak in the northern half of Belgium Flemish, but... People insist on calling it Dutch or in the well, rest of it's, the world. It's, it's, a form, it's a dialect of Dutch, let's, let's say, uh, call it that. Yeah, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah, so do we, but... <laughs> what do we know? We're not telling the Dutch ones that. Well, and there's more of them, I guess. Yeah, a lot. Anyway, let us get stuck into the news for November. Now, this is the 6th of December. No, the 7th, goodness me, uh, when we're recording. So... There's a few things that have happened in the news that I'm going to ignore in this show until we do the December show later in the month. Um, but there was... Uh, I haven't really done much of a number section in the last few months, but this month there was one number that caught my eye. So, um, Chuck, you guys in America had a bit of a bit of a shindig last week. Or the week was it last week or the week before? Um, apparently you guys give thanks about stuff, and people buy lots and lots and lots of stuff online. Indeed, although I don't think I've ever heard it referred to as a shindig before, Bart. That's an interesting perspective. <laughs> I'm sure the Irish community call it a shindig. <laughs> okay, well, I, next year we'll have a Thanksgiving shindig and see how it goes. <laughs> there you go, plenty of whiskey, and Stefan will tell you which whiskey to buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Turkey Day is Thursday, and then the day after is traditionally one of the biggest shopping days of the year in America, which you guys call Black Friday, which... Correct me if I'm wrong, it's when shops are supposed to go into the black from the red. Is that is that where it gets its name from? 
That is what has been reported. I'm I'm never quite sure exactly whether that means that or whether it's because a lot of the people who have to work in retail feel like it's not a day they want to work. Um, uh, but yeah, reportedly it is that that businesses operate in the red, or in other words, are not are losing money, are not making money all year, and then that particular shopping holiday is one that pushes them over the edge, and then from there, anything else through the end of the year is what what is the profit for the year which makes sense it's, I always found it a funny name because here especially in the British Isles we tend to reserve the word black for days the stock market crash like black Monday was the stock market crash and black Wednesday was the stock market crash well you guys have the exact opposite it's a, it's a good day commercially I, I guess you know I, I mean we have some of those very same references at times to, to different things in history so I've that's why I've never quite understood it because it does seem to have a negative connotation but you got to go with I guess what the popular feeling is that's true and then Cyber Monday follows that so you, Turkey shopping weekend more shopping um, and I, I, Cyber Monday is sort of the name that's developed for you know when people didn't have internet at home they would buy their stuff online when they went to work and for some reason that habit stuck even though we all have internet everywhere now Exactly. And, you know, it's it's funny, Bart. It just seems like this year especially, uh, well, no, over the past few years, we're suddenly developing names for all these days. Saturday, and I'm not sure if your listeners know, but Saturday is designated Small Business Saturday. What? Where you're spe- <laughs> yeah, I know. I know where you're supposed to where you're supposed to shop locally with the people who have small local businesses. And then I think it was Tuesday, following Cyber Monday, Tuesday this year was like – Giving Tuesday or something where you were supposed to donate to your favorite charities or to worthwhile charities. So it's it's really interesting to see how someone, marketing people, yeah. have decided to pick different days. I, I have to wonder what Wednesday will be next year to well, see how long and they can keep this rolling. What, what I saw for the first time this year was Cyber Week. Where they just think the whole week now. <laughs> yeah, there's, I heard somebody talk about that too, that they just felt like it should be a whole week instead of stressing people out uh, trying to get the deals on just one or two days. So you know, figure it out. There's, you can justify anything. But the reason I mention all of this strangely named days from, from a European point of view is some statistics have come out. Uh, specifically that of the people who bought stuff using mobile devices, 70 8% of them-ish used iOS devices. That was 77% on Black Friday. And then by Cyber Monday, 2% more people had found iOS devices because it was 79% of Cyber Monday sales. Does this surprise anyone? Given that the, that every reported thing we've seen up to this point says that iOS uh, users dev- – uh, use more internet traffic or create mm. more internet traffic than Android. So it really wasn't a big surprise to me to see that this was the case. I keep thinking it, it can't last and it keeps lasting. Why? Why would it Why would it not, not last when the, the focus is taking away the friction for retail transactions and to incent that taking away of friction, they give you good deals. And of course, a lot of these places have figured out that you know, with with free shipping, even even if you still are paying taxes, and I realize this doesn't necessarily apply to the European audiences, but there's some states in the U.S. that, depending on exactly how the company you're buying from is structured or where it's located, you may be paying the same sales tax you would if you went around the corner or not. 
but the shipping is is really has been one of the great deterrents. And they figured out that at different pricing levels, maybe they'll give you free shipping. Of course, Amazon Prime, you get free free second day shipping anyway. Uh, so that that friction is now gone. So it is very easy to sit at home or for that matter, sit in a parking lot while you're waiting for another store to open, see a deal, buy it right there and then drive away and go home. And I guess next year when more online places take Apple Pay, this may be even more dramatic a statistic. I think that's going to be a very interesting development um, because it will, once again, take away that friction. Uh, We don't want to run off on a discussion of Apple Pay, but for those who have used Apple Pay, it truly is a seamless transaction. You touch the button on your phone and that's it and you walk out. And that has got to facilitate moving through some of those long holiday lines uh, and and make this, the experience better, whether it's a physical experience or an online experience. I hope we get that in Europe someday. I hope you do too. And I think it w- I think it will come. I think it's just a matter of trying to, oh, you know, trying to develop the, the the infrastructure to cover Ireland and the UK and Belgium and every other country in in Europe and Australia and Asia. It's, well, I, it's just it's a problem. I, I think realistically, Nick, you're going to be the first to get it. I think that's probably true. Um, I, I must admit, looking at these figures, I'm I'm also surprised. I think, Bart, I'm, I'm surprised Android isn't higher. Now, one thing we should say, actually, Android is 5% higher than it was last year. It's a quarter higher in some cases. They went from okay. six, from 16 to 20%, which is a quarter more. That's true, actually, yeah. So 25% rise. So I guess you could have written the headline, rather than Apple take one, take four out of every five transactions, to uh, Apple down 5%, Android up 25%. It depends how you look on it. Huh? I, it was surprising to me that Android gained a quarter to sometimes even a third yeah. uh, during those sales, which means maybe there are more devices, Android devices out there getting used to buy stuff now? Or? I think it's more, maybe they're finally getting used more, but a lot of Android devices have been like, you know, the Apple execs famously say, you know, what did people do with them? Buy them and put them in a drawer? <laughs> Maybe there's less of that as we get, you know, the phablet craze probably helped a lot. Yes, it does. I don't know what Ireland was like um, this year, Bart, but the UK was adopted Black Friday with with zeal, shall we say. I got a lot of email mentioning Black this and Cyber that, yeah. Yeah, there were, there were, there were fights in the UK. Really? <laughs> yeah, apparently um, someone decided, I can't remember, it's one of the bigger chains... Yeah. decided to sell Polaroid televisions. You know, mm-hmm. that well-known television manufacturer. Yeah, I was going to say, so what? You stand in front of it, you turn it on, you shake it for five minutes, and then the, to- then the show starts? <laughs> and the program comes out of the box. You get your first yeah. image. Um, but apparently, yes, people were clambering over one another to get one of these £163 40-inch televisions. Wow. Okay. So... Um, but yeah, I, I, I got loads and loads and loads of emails about Black Friday, and yeah, we're just doing our normal. Well, if America does it, then we ought to do it as well. True. I am going to move us into the legal section. I'm going to fly through this a little bit quicker. Um, Apple have been ordered to pay 23.6 million to Mtel for um, apparently using technology that dates back to the good old-fashioned pager. 
Uh, well, I suppose we should say that this isn't your typical sort of um, patent troll kind of behavior because, you know, the definition of a patent troll is someone who doesn't make anything but it just goes around suing people for patents. In this case, MTEL aren't, you know, they're not a non-practicing entity. But I still think it's a bit nuts that a patent from the 80s is still being used to take that much money out of a modern iPhone. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, agree. Uh, thank, thank the attorneys for it. Well, they're certainly doing well out of all this, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I was watching a documentary not so long ago where they were talking about the origins of the patent system, and it was originally five years, which makes sense to me. And that was before, you know, we're talking the 1800s here. So that's like well before the dot-com bubble. So if five years was okay in the 1800s, it should be okay now. Laws can be a bit strange, can't they? I remember someone telling me once that... Um, I doubt if it's law now, but mm. um, certainly 30 years ago, um, uh, every Hackney cab, um, by law, had to carry a bale of hay. For um, horses or something? For horses, yes. Uh, but apparently if they had carried a bale of hay, they would have then contravened Axel White laws and things like that. So. Ah, joy. <laughs> but the law, the law hadn't been written off the, uh, off the books. Well, to bring that same idea into the 21st century, in Ireland, you were, it was a legal requirement that you keep logs... And it was against the law to log IP addresses. So you had one law telling you you had to log IP addresses and one law telling you it was illegal to log IP addresses. <laughs> ah, so, sounds like Belgium. <laughs> you know to be fair, the Belgians are probably the, the, the best, in inverted commas, bureaucrats of all of Europe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which makes Marguerite's painting with the, the bureaucrat with the apple for a head all the more fun. Um. Also then, Judge Cote, back uh, talking about her again. Um, oh, no. She, well, no, a short one this time. She has approved Apple's e-book settlement. So the settlement basically is that if Apple, lo- if Apple lose their appeal, then they pay out. Uh, and in related news, Apple's appeal is going to court on the 15th of December. So the next time we talk, we'll have much more of an idea what's going on there. Eddie Q has already been out and about sort of making Apple's case up front. So there's a link to an interesting interview with him in Fortune magazine where he basically lays out Apple's side of the story. So that will be in the show notes over at letstashtalk.ie if you want to have a read of that. Um, I, I like the headline on that, actually. Yeah, well, on, the, on the eve of price-fixing appeal, iBooks negotiator Eddie Q says he'd do it again but take better notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's quite good. It is, and it's, it, it continues to make my head explode that <laughs> Apple are being done for Monopoly stuff when Amazon are out there. It's like, wow. Well, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Um, another set of related patent cases. Google have settled with the Rockstar Consortium, which sounds way cooler than it is, but that's an... Apple is one of the owners of Rockstar. It's basically the old Nortel patents. Um, so Google have settled, and in a related story, Cisco are going to pay... 188 million to settle their lawsuit with Rockstar. So that's two related stories. And then finally, just a note. Um, as we record, both of these cases are already in court, but we're going to talk about them at the end of the month when we know what's going on. So Samsung's appeal of Apple's big patent victory in California, that is in court again. And also, believe it or not, a case about iPods is in court. And that's, that's becoming a bit of a comedy of errors, so we'll see how that all pans out by the end of the month. But uh, just a sneak peek, the judge was concerned earlier this week that she had no plaintiff, which doesn't sound like a good way to have a court case. I heard that. I love that. I, I love that. That that just said that someone did not do their homework 
from the very beginning, it, and, and I'm sorry for an interpretation like this, but someone just saw dollars and went for it without checking out the details. And for it to get this far is an absolute travesty, and I sincerely hope that if the court does end up throwing it out, that they end up forcing the costs back on the plaintiffs or the plaintiffs' attorneys or whoever organized this class action suit. Uh, my understanding is most of these class actions that you have a law firm says, oh, that sounds like a good idea. They then go find people whose name to put on it, get it mm-hmm. start a class action status, and then off they go. In this case, they only had two named plaintiffs, which doesn't sound like an awful lot. No, but that was enough to, to get it going. And you know, if the award had been given, I'm, I'm sure they would have tried to sign up more in the class. Well, I guess the class is bigger, but only two named people. I guess that's how that works. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird to me, but that, I think that'll be uh, probably some comic relief in December's show, I think. So let us move on into the main news stories. And uh, if you can hear a noise, it's me getting my soapbox ready. Um, This first story made my head explode. So I'm going to have a little rant here. uh, And then I'll let you guys join in. But so yet again, this is deja vu in the worst case, right? In November, no, in October, we talked about uh, Wire Lurker. And where we said that, you know, everyone was wrongly saying that it will install apps on people's devices but of course they won't actually run because of code signing unless you accept these unsigned apps and so what i said was that the message that you should have taken from wire lurker is not put your hair on fire people are getting their phones owned it's don't accept unsigned code when it pops up a notification telling you this is from an unknown developer the answer is no well take that advice and reapply so Another AV firm made more headlines by giving a name to nothing. So Mask is the fancy name. And if you go to a website and download an app made by an enterprise using enterprise licensing and it has the same name as another app, it will install just fine. And when you run it, it'll pop up a message saying, this is from an unknown developer. And if you ignore that message, you can then run malware. Okay, then don't do that. So this is called the Trojan. They exist on every platform. You can get fake versions of Flash by accident by clicking on the wrong link. Only Windows will not arc you, are you sure? Windows will not protect you. It will just infect you. OS X will probably, depending on your settings, protect you. And iOS will protect you. So the actual story here is that iOS security is working as designed, is working properly, is giving you warnings when bad stuff is going to happen. And the actual way it was reported in the media was, flaw in iOS. Apple must fix this. And it's like, this is exactly like going to a secure website, your browser telling you that there's something wrong with the certificate, you clicking OK, and then saying the certificate system is broken because it worked exactly as designed. Okay, that's me done. Any, anyone else want to chime in? I thought that was a great job. Okay. I feel better now. <laughs> I think we should... Oh, yeah. I was going to say we should move on. Right. A story that I have been avoiding for the last at least two months is GT Advanced because I just can't make myself be interested in this. But it's been such a big news story that I don't think this show can call itself a Mac news show and not actually talk about it. So, GT Advanced Technologies, or GTAT, that saga is continuing to roll on. Has anyone on the panel found the energy to be interested in this? (laughs) Well, there is a resounding silence. (laughs) (laughs) Full of excitement. Uh, only in passing, Bart. The one thing that I've seen that I thought was interesting is that there seems to have been some some stories out there pointing out that the uh, th- they were not competent in being able to produce the sapphire. 
that it yeah. really didn't come down to some of the finances and all that there was there was a confidence that they must have had with the fact that they built the furnaces but they apparently didn't really know how to run the furnaces or or use them to to do this and so they thought it would be a piece of cake they they started down that that path and it ended up that it's apparently a lot more difficult than even the manufacturer of the furnaces thought, and that led to the, the whole mess. Well, as I understand it, they had issues making the sapphire, but they had even more fundamental issues like managing their employees. The, there were people interviewing employees saying, yeah, we just came into work and sat around and twiddled our thumbs because there was no one there telling us what we should be doing. So that's not I, a good sign. I hadn't seen that. Um, I think John Gruber also put it kind of well. So it's a lot of the whining at the start of the month was about how the terms of this contract they entered into freely were so terrible, and how dare Apple? And I'm thinking to myself, so you negotiated a contract that you hate, you then signed on to it, and now you're surprised it's gone wrong. What? <laughs> I mean, it is a free contract negotiation, right? If you think the terms are terrible, then you don't sign your name on the dotted line. Anyway, the the other thing actually that caught my eye that is, well, good news is probably not the right word. Perhaps the silver lining on the dark cloud is Apple have told the uh, Mesa, Arizona, the, the city council there, or the city officials rather, that it plans to repurpose the factory. So some of the jobs that have been lost, which is about 700, will come back. But I haven't seen any details of exactly what they'll be building or how many of those 700 people they will want to come back. But that's something, I guess. But uh, didn't they didn't they use Apple money to build that plant? Yeah. So, so the, yeah, the, it's a little bit strange. So they they put money into a plant. The plant is built. Something happens with uh, GT Advanced Technologies, and now they are going to put money again into the same plant to get it back. It is a bit odd, really, isn't it? It's yeah. Strange. But the same model works for them in China, though. So, it, like Apple have a lot of people making stuff for them in China. And they will often give Foxconn money up front to build a factory to build stuff for Apple and then get that money back from Foxconn after they've paid Foxconn for the stuff they've built. Mm-hmm. So sort of like an advance for an author, I guess. Only in this yeah. case, it's an advance for a sapphire maker and this sapphire maker failed to make said sapphire. So which means Apple still believes that uh, the, the sapphire glass is something they really want. Well, it is because there are rumors And I don't have them in the show notes because they are rumors rather than stories that Apple are trying to build some sapphire plants in China. Mm -hmm. Or rather, there are sapphire plants being built in China, and the rumor has it they're for Apple, is actually the correct way to phrase that. Um, So we know there is sapphire being made, and it's people, unnamed sources and all the usual weasel words say it's for Apple, but I I don't know. It certainly sounds like a, a... an overpromised contract, doesn't it? Certainly, They're, so much so that you, I mean, that if they'd come along and said, um, "Actually, Apple, we can supply all your energy that you want. We've invented cold fusion," <laughs> uh, and Apple had said, "Oh, jolly good. Okay, we'll build your plant for that." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's you know, people are saying, "Well, Apple's Apple's terms are very harsh," but well, I believe the reason that we all think Tim Cook is great is because he's really good at managing the supply chain. Yeah, that means you don't give your contractors a free ride so, so either it's a bad thing and then Tim Cook is evil or Tim Cook is actually really good at his job in which case these contracts are actually really well put together but somehow we've managed to end up in a situation where we love Tim Cook and we think Apple are terrible for making their contractors work hard so 
<laughs> they probably want to keep uh, research and development for the sapphire glass in in uh, close closer to home and uh, probably they will will do some research about the next glass there and then ship it off to china to to make it there because uh, the process of of uh, producing the sapphire glass is a lot cheaper in china but mm. uh, the process of of research and development would be a lot more expensive in china i think well the the, the danger um, I mean, I, I live in a part of Ireland where we are surrounded. I live in what people call Ireland Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Intel and HP and all those companies are here is because if you do R&D in China, it has a habit of being given to your competitors. Yeah. Whereas if you do R&D in Ireland, we enforce intellectual property laws. Mm-hmm. And the same is obviously true in the United States. So it, it, you're right. It definitely makes sense to develop sapphire in the u.s and then mass produce it in china later and probably that's the reason why they they want to have that plans to do the research and development yeah, here instead of uh, in china i think well also i think they're trying to i mean they made a big deal about making the mac pros you know made in the usa and uh, i get the impression that on a political level apple are quite keen to say that we're not shipping all our jobs abroad look we're doing stuff in america yeah I must admit, it would be a lot easier if, if, if all, the, um, all the phone manufacturers just turned around and said, look, just stop dropping your phones. Well, I, and then we could just put any old glass on it. Well, I, I, <laughs> I used to think like that, and then my phone fell no more than a foot. It just fell exactly the wrong way. Yeah, I know, I know it's easy to do. <laughs> it's, it, look, it, it, it's, I was on my way to, to, to my, my uh, father-in-law's cremation, so I wasn't in a good humour. And I probably wasn't paying attention properly, but the phone slid out of my pocket onto the car seat. I op- Between the car seat and the door, I opened the door, the phone went, bang! And that was that. Curtains, giant big shatter from one corner right across. Oh, I have been, I've been very lucky, I suppose, because um, um, I think I've said before on the program that I've got an HTC One. Uh, and it has quite, I keep it in my top pocket of my, of my, um, of my shirt most yeah. of the time. Uh, and there are times when I'm bending down doing stuff and it's fallen out onto <laughs> concrete and all sorts of things. Worse can Unfortunately, happen. not smashed, so I've been quite lucky. Well, I, my, my father discovered that Nokia's are quite waterproof by accidentally leaning over to flush the toilet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Long time ago, but yeah, I still think it's hilarious. Um, yeah, well, I, I used to, um, um, I work for a, a water company as it happens. Right. And, um, uh, I used to do a report many years ago um, to do with our telephony and replacing mobile phones. Yeah. You'd be surprised the number that get dropped into sewage tanks and um, places where you're not going to go and get them again. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, yeah, you're right. If it is, if I was in a sewage plant and it slipped out of my hand, that would be the last of my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, I'm I don't have it in the show notes, uh, again, because I don't think it's much of a news story, but I think it actually fits into this discussion – Apple have a patent which they have been granted for technology which apparently senses when a phone is falling, calculates what impulse is needed to make it not land on its face, and then uses the vibration motor for the vibration alert to try nudge the phone so that it lands on its back instead of its front. (laughs) It's got to be called the cat feature, surely. Right, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, or the inverse toast on bread feature. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know how, how, how well it can work, but they have been granted the patent for it. And usually if we see the patent before Apple do a big announcement, that means that they're not going to do it. 
I can just see the demonstration on stage now. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> see, you see, the best you can hope for with a system like that is that it biases the fall. Yes. But that makes a very bad stage demo. Uh, I suppose so. Because Murphy's Law <laughs> means it's going to go wrong. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> you know, if you save... Even if you, you know, even if you were to save three out of four phone falls, that would be really good. You know, that would be thousands of phones. But on stage, that would look awful. <laughs> True. Any other thoughts on the Sapphire Sega? Only I'm, I'm curious. After the discussion here, what what cases, if any, do you gentlemen use on your phones? None. Yeah, mine's naked. Mm, yeah, none. Wow. And there's a really That's... good reason for that. Well, I'm not... Okay, it may not be a good reason. It's my reason. I used to always have bumper cases um, because I don't like having my nice phone covered, but the bumper case gave extra protection. But bumper cases are designed to be non-slip, and I keep my phone in my pocket. It's just such a bad mix to have your phone try to grip your pocket. And the result was that my bumper cases always wore out because they were getting caught in my trousers. And... I spent all my time fumbling for my phone and missing calls. And it's just so much easier to use it au naturel. Very interesting. I had, I had cases on my iPhones when I had those. Um, but but I've never bothered with the HTC one. And what about you, Chuck? You asked the question. <laughs> right now, I've, I'm running with my naked. Um, I just ordered... I've been back and forth between uh, one of the spec... Mm-hmm. Uh, phones, phones that are cases that just came out for the iPhone 6 Plus and the Apple leather case and decided on the spec because I had seen it. One, a member of our user group had one for his iPhone 6 last month. And the more I looked at it, the more I thought this is a lot more like what I had on my, my iPhone 5S and it just feels good. Now, I don't have it in hand yet, um, but I think the, the, the idea also – It'll give a little better grip to it, Um, but the idea, too, that it does provide quite a bit of drop protection, whereas the Apple leather case doesn't. The Apple leather case looked great, felt great, seemed to go in and out of my pocket just fine with no trouble, but just having that little bit of extra drop protection, I I decided to go with the spec and give it a shot. I'll be curious to see how how it works out for you. I'll let you know. Right, I'm going to move us from one drama to another. Um, which is slightly a pun on words because it is a movie, which is obviously a drama. But it's also been a bit of a drama. So um, it was the October show. We had uh, Bren Finan on, the guy who composed our lovely theme tune, a good friend of mine. And Bren was all pleased with himself because a few years ago he said that the perfect person to play Steve Jobs would be Christian Bale. And then Christian Bale was, at the, a month ago, Christian Bale was playing Jobs. He was delighted. We got to be on the show. It was great fun. And I think it was about two days after we published that the news broke that now he's not doing it. He's changed his mind. Uh, but the changes didn't stop there. Um, so Christian Bale is out. Michael Fassbender, an Irish actor, appears to be in. And I think he'll be good at it, so fingers crossed. But uh, this, the film has also changed studio. Um, I guess they left Sony just in time, given the month Sony's had. Uh, but they're now with Universal Pictures. And apparently Natalie Portman is negotiating for a major part. I have no idea what part that would be, and neither does the rest of the planet. So, in short, uh, Christian Bale out, Fassbender in, movie now in Universal. I think. I don't, I don't know whether everyone feels the same, but I mean, the, the few of these movies so far that I've seen have been less than spectacular. 
That's been and I, I just wonder. I just wonder how interesting they can make Steve Jobs' life really. Well, see, right, I am a huge fan of uh, The West Wing, and which is ultimately a story about a guy with a lot of power running an organization. Right. And that's Steve Jobs, right? I mean, obviously, yes. style-wise, he's a little bit different to President Bartlett. And, you know, I, I imagine the Apple campus isn't quite the same as the White House. But a drama where all the tension comes from the interplay between the characters and cool stuff happening, that seems like what Sorkin can do, and I think that could be really fun with it. You know, imagine the hectic week leading up to a keynote. That seems Sorkin-esque. Mm, maybe. We'll I have see. hope. <laughs> Good. Maybe, maybe dashed. I also had hope that Ashton Kutcher could play Jobs. I was wrong. I guess we don't have a panel of movie people. <laughs> I, I, I just, I have a hard time getting excited over this. When the movie comes out, you're going to evaluate the movie. I, right. I, I guess I've never, with the exception possibly of certain science fiction and action movie trailers, I just can't get excited over the, over all this drama over who's going to play who. Because it's it wouldn't be the first time that we saw someone who we thought would be terrible do a great job or vice versa. So I I'm I don't waste my time on this. I'd rather pass judgment when the time comes as opposed to now. It's it's a bit like uh, like all the rumors you get before the launch of an iPhone. I don't care about the rumors. I want to see the facts. Once it's there, I will probably judge it. But did did any of you see the the previous one, uh, the the one with Ashton Kutcher? I. Not legally. Well, I didn't see it in a, in a movie theater, <laughs> but uh, I, I rented it, uh, I think, a few weeks ago on our, uh, uh, I don't know how it's called, Telenet box here. I didn't think it was all that bad. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't great, but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for it to go to the, to the movie theater to see it, but for I, an evening. In, I don't in, think it told the story very honestly. It was very one-sided, true. Well, I, I think poor Waz got a pretty shit deal in that film. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that makes me sad. And, and this, you know, I, here we go off on a tangent, but... Oh, go on. Uh, yeah, this, this is the thing about these movies. I don't know, there aren't, I'm sorry, there aren't that many people's lives that are just interesting day in, day out, every single event, every single thing. And I think no matter who the director is, good, bad, or indifferent, they feel a pressure to create certain facts or portray certain things from from a particular angle maybe to enhance the the central figure or detract from other figures and and that just bothers me i mean it's bad enough in books hmm. but it's it's a whole different animal on the movie screen and so you look at these and no matter how accurate they try to be i, I think you have to take them with a bit of a grain of salt as they're intended to be somewhat true to the facts, but they still have to be viewed as entertainment, not biographies. Yeah, they're not documentaries, you're right. That's a better word, thank you. Yeah, I did, One of the reasons I actually have a lot of hope, again, it may be dashed, but the reason I have a lot of hope for this one is that it's not trying to tell the whole story of, of Jobs' life. It's going to tell the story through the run-up to three keynotes, which is a much, you know, it's a much smaller thing to bite at, and it probably gives a much better insight into it's, I don't know, I think it's an interesting way to, to look at, at, at Steve rather than trying to tell the whole he was born here and then he went to school there and then he did this in his garage and then he did that and then he ended up and, you know, which can be quite boring hmm. we'll see yeah. Bart, we'll see 
I think ultimately, yeah. Well, for a while, actually, it looked like we wouldn't see because before the before the movie was taken up by Universal, the story was simply that Sony were dropping it. So for actually for a while, it looked like we'd never see. But hopefully, we will. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the next big thing. Um, so in November, Apple have released the WatchKit APIs, which means that developers can start programming for the iWatches we don't have now, which. Uh, is rather cool, and that's never happened before. And Apple also took the time to update their um, iWatch, or uh, I keep calling it iWatch, Apple Watch page on their website, so we can all read lots more interesting talk, well, not interesting, you know, facts and figures and pictures and things about the new devices on the Apple website, and I spent quite a bit of time on that page drooling over it and deciding that I want the aluminium sport one probably with the blue band maybe green. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'm sure the developers are very pleased to be getting this all yeah. this stuff up front. Well, as, as someone who you could probably get I am I want I've been looking forward to this. I want to buy one. I'm going to be in line for one. I didn't buy a new iPhone so I'd have the money. So I want one, and I'm just delighted that on day one, it's realistic to expect apps will work. Mm-hmm. Which, which is a very pleasant way to start a new product. Is anyone else as excited as me about this? Well, the only thing I'm still waiting on is, is uh, some news about uh, uh, battery, battery life, because that's, that's really important yeah. for me. Uh, if, it, if, it's, if it has to, to really uh, recharge every day, then... I'm not quite sure if I would get one. I I don't mind if it has to recharge every day. It just has it has to do a day. Mm, yeah. I'm perfectly happy. I mean, the charger is not fiddly to plug in. It's the whole base, the whole back of it's a big magnet. It just clips on. So if I can put it on in the morning, wear it all day, and then when I go to bed, put it on my nightstand and go click, I can live with that. It would be nice mm. not to have to charge every day, but I could live with that. But if Five o'clock comes and the thing is going beep, 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 I'm in a battery. That's not so good. Well, that's a, a little problem with the, the charger that I currently have because there's no way you will be recharging your, your, uh, your uh, watch uh, at work, for example, because you, no. you don't have a charger there. It's not the same mechanism as charging your iPhone. But it's also on my arm. So unless I buy a really long lead, I'm not recharging it at work anyway. Yeah, you would uh, have to take it off. That's true. But uh, I, I still think it should do at least a few days because otherwise, I, personally, I've, I've had a few, uh, not smartwatches, but sport watches, mm. uh, which also uh, track your, your uh, uh, physical activities like GPS, where you go running and similar things. And those watches, the one I, I'm testing now, it, it lasts, well, by now seven days already. I didn't recharge it yet. And I think that's 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 great. You have it on your arm for a week. You can go uh, out and uh, do some runs, two-hour runs, three-hour runs. I think I, I've tracked by now ten hours with GPS coordinates on this thing, and it's it's still going strong. And uh, if you would do the same thing on the Apple Watch, I wonder if you could last for two days, maybe not even one day. And if you can't last for a day, then the watch has absolutely 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 no use to me. Yeah, my. I'm not expecting it to last more than a day, but I am expecting it to last a day. And if the stats come out in early next year and it says it won't last a day, then I guess I'll be buying an iPhone. 
uh, because I'm not buying a watch that doesn't last a day. Well, the good I, thing I about, uh, about watches is, 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 of course, that it's, a, it's what I call a connected device. It doesn't do uh, a lot of things on the, on the watch itself. It does not uh, record GPS location in the watch. It, it actually needs your phone to record GPS locations, which w- should help with, uh, with battery as well. So I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, it should do at least one, one full working day, at least. It's, it's not the charging that puts me off particularly. Um, I'm someone always, who's always been very cheap about watches. Um, and I, I just can't see myself spending that amount of money on something that is, that is already... My, my phone will do the same thing. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm really cheap when it comes to watches. I haven't worn one in... I'm not sure if it's 10 years or 20 years. I haven't worn one in a very long time. Yeah, me, me too. But the reason I'm seeing it as not expensive is because I, if the Apple Watch wasn't coming out, I would now be spending between 1 and 200 euro on a Fitbit mm-hmm. or a similar device. So the way I'm, the way I'm looking at it is... I'm taking the money I had put aside to buy a fitness tracker and I'm adding a small amount extra to get a really cool new Apple device. Which makes yeah. it not seem so bad. And the other thing is I'm I doing a lot, more, a lot more exercise because I've been told I have to. Um, and when you're out cycling, fumbling around to get out your phone is not safe or practical. And so actually a screen on my wrist for, you know, for the first time in a long time I find myself going, you know, maybe this whole smartwatch thing isn't as daft as I've always thought. Oh. Yeah, my, my thing's walking, you see, and there's no problem with having your phone in your pocket for that. Well, it's no problem having a phone in my pocket while I'm cycling, but I just shouldn't be taking it out and looking at it while cycling next to a canal. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I remember seeing that video you did, yes. You, no, you don't want to be doing that. No, so, uh, and, you know, if I, if, if I cause an accident and this go, oh, I had my phone in my hand, officer, that won't go well. <laughs> Chuck, you've been very quiet in this discussion. I, you know, Bart, I, I think that this is a little bit like the iPhone. I don't think the iPhone is a phone anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different animal. Hmm. We, go, we go the whole way back to Steve Jobs' introduction of the iPhone where he said it's, it's a phone. It's an internet communicator, I believe is the phrase, and it's an iPod. Yeah. And then we did that. You know, are you getting it yet? And I kind of think the, the phone feels like the same thing here. Everybody's talking about it as a watch or even a smartwatch. I think it has the potential – and, and we don't have the vision yet because uh, we, we need the vision of the developers to take us there. But we don't have a true vision of what this can be. So the most convenient way to talk about something that is strapped on your arm and happens to tell the time is a watch. So I, I, I'm glad we have that because it does make it approachable. It gives us a baseline to start talking about it, thinking about it from a price standpoint, from a, a size standpoint and all that. But the Fitbit is not a watch. None of the health trackers are watches. And I feel like they, they've they all been sort of relegated to the health tracker uh, name. That that seems to be the only thing that we recognize that they can do. Uh, so, you know, none of them have tried to incorporate – well, excuse me. I take that back. A few. Some of, the, some of the Android watches, the Pebble that I happen to be wearing, you know, there are a few more things you can do with that device. And I think that's where, you know, we're in very early days. Um, I agree with with a lot of the sentiments here about the charging, although I don't find it personally to be a big deal for it to to be charged every night. It's just one more thing I 
you know, plug in at night to make, make sure it's ready to go for the next day. It'd be nice if it could do more than that. Um, but I don't find – my Pebble can go – depending on how much I'm using it and how much it's communicating with my iPhone, it can go for two, three, four days maybe. But I still plug it in every night. That way I'm sure that it won't let me down in the event of something strange happening. So I, I think it's almost a matter of just training yourself around the limitations as the, as they exist for the technology because battery technology will get better eventually so we won't have that issue. But I'm, I'm excited over it. I've, I'm not sure that I really need one of the, uh, the the super high priced ones. I think I'm going to get one of the lower level models as long as the function is the same and we're just talking about fashion as the differentiator. That would be interesting, actually, if the if the gold one had like more memory and it was gold. Bad interesting. Yeah, yeah, bad interesting. I think, and I think that would be a mistake. And I don't think Apple will do that. I think it's going to be more about the people that want it as as a status symbol, as as a fashion object. They are going to deliver to those people, and that's great for the rest of us, or for people like at least like me. I won't include anybody here. Maybe you all like gold watches, um, no. but I, I I'm just looking for the function. I. I'm having a discussion, well, an ongoing discussion since myself and my partner got together well over 10 years ago is that I don't want a gold wedding ring. I have laid down the law. I said I want a a metal that is not gold. I hate gold. I won't wear it. Uh, Okay, I'll bite. Why? Something about it is tacky. I've never liked gold. I think it looks tacky and cheap, and I just hate it. I want platinum or something for my ring and for my watch if it's on offer. So there you go. <laughs> um, while I agree, uh, I partially agree with you, Chuck, about the uh, comparison with the first iPhone, with the first iPhone, there were no apps. There, w- there were no apps other than the apps that were on the iPhone. Um, and, and while Apple were taking us leaps and bounds for, forward there, with the watch, um, w- w- they've just spent the last, now how many years is it since the first iPhone? Five years, is it? Oh, it's at least seven, seven I thought. Seven? 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 So. Yeah. Oh, true. So, so they've taken all those years developing mobile apps. And I just begin to think to myself, what new can they come up with? Just because it's a different size. Uh, I, I don't know. You I, may be right. You may, uh, you may be right, Chuck, that they may end up coming up with something that I just, no one could see. But all that development going into mobile apps, oh, I just can't see any, anything new. Well, I think but continuity is, is the big sleeper feature. And I think continuity is as much about the watch and the future of the watch as it is about the, the, the present of the Mac and iOS. Mm, I think they maybe. snuck that in this year because they need it for the watch. But let's, let's face it. Let's, let's go back to the iPhone example. How much did we know that we, we wanted to do or we would find it beneficial to do all the things that the iPhone can do now through the apps? See, I'm an exception because I'm a computer scientist. The first thing I said, I said when I watched Steve Jobs' presentation is, oh, my God, a computer in my pocket. At long last, a computer in my pocket. But I don't think that was the normal reaction. And I'm now thinking, ooh, great, a computer on my wrist. But again, probably not the normal reaction. But think about uh, you know. Unfortunately, we always reach to science fiction. I think to to imagine because those those folks have thought a lot more about this kind of thing. 
the idea of, of all that information on my wrist, of location-aware information on my wrist, and I don't just mean you know the fact that this sweater – I walked into the store and this sweater is on sale. I mean useful, intelligent information on my wrist uh, that that it can – Eventually, it will be able to, to almost know what I want before I know that I want it or at least at the same time I know I want it. I think that's very exciting. I don't know exactly how you're going to accomplish that, but there's a whole army of developers out there that are giving a lot more thought to it than I am. One of the things that caught my eye is this idea of the, 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 the taptic feedback, as Apple are calling it. The, the example that perked my ears up was that your watch, when giving you directions, would not beep at you or show you something on the screen. It would simply tap your wrist in one way to, say, turn left at the next junction and another way to turn right. Now, if I'm walking and I'm getting walking directions from my, phone, from my portable device, that has got to be the single least intrusive, most useful way it can tell me what to do. And it's only possible because this device is going to be touching us. I think it's big, and I think it'll be fun the first year, and it's only going to get better. I'll probably end up buying one in the end. Let's face it, it's Apple. (laughs) (laughs) I will probably end up going back to an iPhone and and get myself an Apple Watch too. So (laughs) So this could be quite an expensive little thing for you. (laughs) Yeah. Although, thankfully, phones have a short life, relatively speaking. Well, I still have my iPhone 4S... uh, it's running perfectly, so... Oh, sorry, yeah, of course. Belgium is one of those strange places where it's illegal to bundle a phone with a contract. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I know, which makes it uh, extremely expensive yeah. for us. So most people don't realize an iPhone costs like €800 Euro if you want to buy the high-end 64-gigabyte version. Because well, we all I get it on contract, but the Belgians, you guys know all about it. I think the most expensive one was almost €1,000. Ouch. It was and the six plus was uh, I think it was nine hundred ninety nine. Wow, I, I know I have an iPhone five, not a five S, but a five. And when I was getting it insured, I had to know how much its replacement value would be, and that was a nine hundred and eighty euro for my sixty four gigabyte version. Mm-hmm. And so you guys just pay that all the time. That's yeah, money. but uh, we also have the have the advantage that we're not uh, well, they're not. Uh, uh, it doesn't come with a contract, so we can go with any provider we want. So we have no contract attached to it. So it's, it makes it uh, on the, uh, more expensive, but it's easier to switch between uh, providers can carry us. Swings and roundabouts, but I, I'd like it. I'd prefer to have the option <laughs> instead of being told that you're not allowed this business model. Because I, I could never, I can't afford 900 euro up front, but I can afford to pay it over two years. Yeah. I suppose I could get a loan. I guess that's the way around it, is to get a loan, and that way you're not tied to a carrier, and you can pay over two years. So I guess I should just get a, a phone, a contract, and a loan, and then I'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, the cheapest one, if I remember it correctly, was the uh, about 700 euros or something in that price range. So, well, on the other hand, if you buy a, a similar Samsung-branded phone or other phone, you'll probably end up... Uh, Spending as much as a, as an iPhone six. Oh really? So the because I always thought the Androids were cheaper, but so they're not working out much well, cheaper it, in Belgium. It, it depends uh, on the brand. You have the yeah the the Samsungs are, are still pretty high highly priced. But for example, uh, Huawei, which is a, hmm. another Android brand, is a lot cheaper than Samsung and provides you with 
at least as, as good an experience, maybe even better in some cases. Well, I've just come to the end of my, um, I'm coming to the end of my contract on my HDC one. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to buy an iPhone. I think, I think it's a lot, an awful lot of money. And I, so I've just put an, an order in for an LG G3, which is a 5.5 inch. It's probably around about the same size as the iPhone. Um, it, right, gets, yeah. it gets very good reviews. Um, and it's cost me £300. And so you're buying that outright? Yeah, £300. And then I'm having a £15 a month um, renewable uh, contract uh, for uh, unlimited um, 15 data. 15 a month, that's quite pleasant. It is. It yeah, is. we have a similar, similar in, in, in Belgium, a similar. I think it's €15 Euros a month and okay. you, you get up to uh, 2 gigabyte, gigabytes of, of mobile data. That's not too bad. No, it's not uh, not too bad at all. Yeah. Whereas I'm paying fifty euro. Ow. <sighs> yeah, actually, no. And it's uh, well, the real sting in the tail is in the Irish and, and American model is that I have I bought the iPhone five five on a two year contract. It's now more than two years old, so mm-hmm. I have paid that phone back, but my monthly bill is still the same. So I'm now being extorted, effectively, right? I'm now paying mm-hmm. yes back more than I should be so I've always been really good about always upgrading when my contract comes to an end so as you know stick it to the man and all that but this year because I want to save my money for the watch I'm actually giving I'm just throwing money at oh who's my carrier these days oh Meteor actually I change carrier every time a new iPhone comes out because no company here ever gives a good deal to existing customers so I just go round the ring there's three of them and I just take them all in turn I think I'm a Meteor customer now here in here in Belgium, people are starting to do the same thing because indeed, uh, if you stay with your, your same provider, you will you will never get any any uh, uh, the same uh, advantages as a new customer. So people are hopping around not not only for uh, for phone providers, also for uh, electricity providers, gas providers, because indeed, yeah, an existing customers always pay more. That surprises me because the the UK are quite good once you're out of contract. You can usually negotiate down the amount that you're paying. I suppose if I took the if I rang them up and took the time, I could probably wheedle my way to a cheaper monthly. I think maybe I should do that. But yeah, I, think I guess <laughs> I should because obviously they're they're banking on the fact that people don't. Yes, they are. Okay. Um, any final thoughts on the watch before we move on? Okay. Let us move on into a massive case of deja vu. So Nokia, they're gone, right? No, they're not. So I was a bit surprised to hear that Nokia were releasing a new tablet. And then I remembered that what Microsoft bought was the mobile division of Nokia and that there was a right, and that they explicitly had not bought the name Nokia because Nokia were going to continue to do other stuff. And I knew, I, I knew that, but I didn't really fully understand that that meant they would be back here selling us mobile devices within a year. But here they are. So... The N1 tablet is being described generously everywhere as an iPad mini clone that runs Android. Clone is probably the right word. They've even copied the shape of the grill. Has anyone seen this? Well, obviously not in the flesh, but has anyone seen this uh, contraption? No. No. No, you should click on If you click on the is link. It, is it on the link? Yeah, if you click on the link in The Verge, then, you know, if you were to take those photos and take away the names, you could play a game of, is it an iPhone or is it a clone? And you would probably not do well. Oh, sugar, it's a video. 
That's not much good to people listening to, to the panel. Oh, no, sorry, there is a photo at the top. At the top, yeah. They look pretty similar. Yeah. Which, one, which one is the iPad? The left one or the right one? I don't know. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's... Oh, no, hang on. One of them has an Android on it, so the left one is the Nokia. Because those buttons look Androidy to me. That's, uh, those are Android buttons, yeah, but the right one... So the right has, one is the, has, is the iPad mini. Well, if you look closely, it has the same buttons, but on the black, the black part of it. So I'm wondering if those are really uh, pictures of the, uh, the Nokia tablet. No, they are, because if you scroll further down, there's, or actually, if you go in the other link in the show notes, there's a picture of Nokia's marketing material. And even their marketing material looks like Apple wrote it. Also, right, you see the way here, um, they have a button, a hole in the bottom that looks just like a lightning connector. That's actually yeah. a USB connector disguised to look like a lightning connector. <laughs> just so people won't know you don't have an iPad. Yeah, they really couldn't have got much closer, could they? <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. But perhaps they perhaps they've got some advisors in from Samsung. Oh, sorry, did I find that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a business model we've seen before, and ultimately, from a financial point of view, it's working out very well for Samsung because the profit they're making is a lot more than the, it's costing their lawyers just to keep Apple held up in court. True. So that makes me cranky that it's a viable business model, but it clearly is. I'm hoping to get my hands on, on, on one of those, just just to try it out for a week or two. It will be interesting, because I think, personally, I think it's iOS that makes an iPad an iPad. Mm. I think some some things on the Android side for tablets are already at a, a further stage than, than iOS. For example, uh, Android on tablets already has uh, multi-user. iOS doesn't. Yeah, that is something I, I, I don't think Apple are ever going to tackle it, but I wish they would. I think they should, but who am I? Oh, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, it will be nice from a user point of view, but Apple see them as personal devices. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't, but unfortunately they do. I think, um, I think uh, Apple ought to, do, ought to do an advert, really. Uh, it's sort of like a trailer, you know, just when you thought it was safe to buy an iPad. Comes Nokia. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Stefan, you're right that the two pictures at the top of that yeah, article works. are both the N1 because the giveaway is that none of them, neither of them, have the Touch ID circle. Ah, uh, oh yes, you're right. Whereas when you look on the second link in the show notes where it shows the marketing material, you can see that the hand holding up the one tablet is an Apple tablet and the hand holding up the other tablet is the Nokia yeah. tablet. Now, the hand is holding them from the opposite side, and one is portrait and one is landscape. And maybe the sans-serif font isn't identically the same font, but it's bloody close. It's quite shameless. So, so does this bother anyone that this almost almost relies on a, on a confusion model? It bothers me a lot for exactly that reason, yes. Yeah, because I, I I've heard people, I've heard people go into stores and they they say they, they're sold on the idea they are not tech people, mm-hmm. and so they ask about an iPad, and a salesman gives them some some insane reason. And I'm thinking of one in particular that I'll reveal in a second, and they sell them an Android tablet or something other than an iPad. Well, I have actually heard someone in a shop say. Oh no no! You don't want an iPhone. You, you know, don't buy an iPhone from Apple. You can buy an iPhone from Samsung. They're oh cheaper. my God! Ooh, 
Ooh, yeah. I, I was in a hurry or I would have stuck my head in and went, no, we are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the reason I've heard given is that, oh, well, this can run Flash. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's exactly my oh. reaction, Bart. That, that along with a horrified scream. It's like, you know, you're, really? That's, that was your compelling reason to buy this device? Uh, or that was the reason they gave you? Did you? Do you realize what they probably got paid to sell you this device? It's, it's, it's almost sad. Ultimately, can- don't trust salespeople to sell you stuff. <laughs> yes, it can run flash, but only if you plug in this very large battery. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, it's no. It bothers me because it's just it's just sleazy. I don't like it. It's whether it's legal or not. I don't care. It's ick. And it's. I remember it was Carphone Warehouse. You know the way they had the big carrier bags. And I saw someone walking with a big carrier bag, and it had a phone on the front of it. And from twenty feet away, it looked like an iPhone. From ten feet away, it looked like an iPhone. From five feet away, it looked like an iPhone. Only when I read the text did it say the new Samsung something something something. Now this is a while ago before before Samsung decided that actually they're going to be they're not going to just copy blatantly the phones and make them bigger than Apple's, but. In the early days, the actual devices Apple took Samsung to court over were spectacularly similar and intentionally made to look so. But it's not that hard to make something that looks a little bit different. I mean, all the other manufacturers managed to do it fine. Well, just look at... (laughs) Could you ever mistake a Windows phone for an iPhone? No. It's just... Everything about it, it's just a completely unique look. And I, I don't see why everyone has to make their icons use Apple's color palette and be laid out like Apple's icons. It's, it's just it's, it's needless. Mm. Except it makes great financial sense. <laughs> yes. Any other thoughts on this before we finish out? No. Okay, in that case, I'm going to take us into the quick news or the quick stories section. So just some little little bits and pieces that happened in November that I think are worth mentioning. Um, Office for iOS has gone free and has also become universal. So you can now write Word documents on your iPhone, should you be so inclined. That's, um, a, good, that's a good marketing move. It's a very good marketing move. Sachin Adala gets a two thumbs up from me for being so forward thinking. that I just can't see Bomber having pulled this off. No. Bart, how much time can I have on this? Oh, go! If you have something interesting to say, Chuck, you may have all the time. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Okay, this, try, try keep it to five minutes then. Okay, okay, just real short. This just annoys me to no end because Office for iOS did not go free. This is a limited function version. Admittedly, it's it's uh, there are a lot of functions that are turned on. There are some key functions though that are turned off, and I feel like this has been misreported, misstated, miss everything the whole way along. And it really bothers me to get all the the full function, everything you would might want to do with Office, admittedly, if you're a bit more of a power user, but to get everything, you still have to subscribe to Office 365. It's it's just that simple. And so this is a great move for Microsoft. It's a great move for probably 80% of the people. But I feel like there's a, a good solid 20% who are being potentially misled on this story. And it, it bothers me a lot that... It, it and it's Microsoft, and I guess I still have a sensitive spot with that. But that, but it just feels like one more time that you know they're pulling the wool over someone's eyes, and I just don't like it. Well, okay. So first off, yeah, my bad because I just I just sort of summarized the 
the short way, but you're right. It's yeah, not every I, feature for free. And, and I know, yeah, I know, but it, it just, you know, it, this is the popular perception out there. And is, is it fair to say that a non-business user is going to get what they need for free? I, I can't answer that because I don't know. If you're a non-business user but you're in education or you are in design or whatever, I don't know how you're using Office, if you're using Office. Well, I think the big one that's not free, the one that, that's going to catch people who work in a sort of a professional or semi-professional capacity is track changes. It, it, it doesn't come free. You have to pay for that one. Yeah, that's what I mean. So that yeah. is the one yeah. that's going to get you. But the way I – you know, if you're working for a corporation, they, they should be paying – licenses and well, I, I, it's, it's just again it's not yeah it, it, I, i'm not debating whether they should or should not i i think it's absolutely appropriate the part that bothers me is this perception out there that this is just a landmark thing for, for uh, such and adela and microsoft that they've given this away for free and you know one of the other ways to interpret it is they were desperate to get on the iPad and get users on the iPad because they'd screwed it up so badly. And that was not an interpretation that seemed to be very popular at all. It was just, oh, new new era, new era, and and free, free. And, and no, it's not. It's it's just not. Well, I think it is a new era. Maybe it's not earth-shattering, but it's a continuing movement along a path Microsoft has been on. Where you know, Nadala's stated aim is to be on – they want to be on every device. And the only way they're going to be on iOS is if they write software for iOS. So I think it's a, it's taking their arc and drawing another fairly substantial segment onto the arc. But it is, I guess, you know, New Year is probably the wrong word, all right. Well, I, again, just I, my purpose in, in jumping in in a mm, quick story no. and, and dragging it out is just make sure that you are informed about what this truly is if you decide to go and start using it to depend on it that it, it may indeed not be free. It may be something that to get the full feature or a key feature that you need for your particular function, you may need to pay for. And it's not a bad value. That, that's, you know, I'm, I'm quick to say that too. It, uh, once, once again, it's just the misreporting, misperception that really bothers me with this particular story. Well, I guess an important question then is, is Microsoft misrepresenting or is the media misreporting? Uh, I, I can't answer that. I know the latter is true. I'm not sure about the former, but certainly they have done very little, if anything, to correct it. And I, I would agree with you on that, actually, because it's, it's always in the small print. I, I, still, I, I still think it's a positive move, but I do wish it was reported more honestly. I'll agree with you on that. I mean, there are, uh, I'm just quickly looking at these, these premium features. Mm-hmm. And some of them are fairly basic things like changing page orientation or oh, custom headers and photos and pages yeah I, th- yeah I think if you're going to use it in a semi I mean, in a, even a semi-professional capacity you're going to want footers and headers and things yes and, and ch- I mean changing page orientation is a fairly I would have said that was something most people will want to be able to do is it? I think almost everyone wants their letters the right way up yeah, I suppose if you're only doing letters. Hmm. If you're doing posters, though, you might want them the other way. That's true. But yeah, that's not. Yeah, because remember, these apps were always were, they were not paid for. They've been free in the sense that they have a zero price tag at the moment you install them for a while. But they used to be read only for free. Yes. Yeah. And so now at least you can you can do something apart from read. 
Yeah, well, I, I was actually stinging the tail, actually. And Chuck, uh, I'm going to give you even more props here because you're even more right than, than we've said already. The, the other sting in the tail is that you used to be able to just install the app without signing into a Microsoft anything and get your read-only free copy. Now you get to do Nout unless you sign up to Office 365, even if you sign up to a free account. Sorry, uh-huh. you need a Microsoft account. So the sting in the tail is that you, you have to sign in with a Microsoft account. So there's a bit of a power grab going on there, too. And, and, Still, and it, for the vast majority of people, it's going to be fine, isn't it? I think so. I think, I think, people, I, I think it'll be useful to a lot of people. Yeah. But it's just it's the fact that the, the paid, well the page orientation you know the, there are things and that's what I said at the at the outset it really depends on how you're using this this is one of those tools that a lot of people use for a lot of different things good bad or indifferent and if they perceive that oh I can do it all on my iPad now as well as my desktop and then they start running into these little things and it's just you just you need to be aware that all of a sudden you may be stuck in the software licensing model as opposed to being able to use a free tool and and heaven knows i am not a huge fan of free because i think all these developers need to be paid but i think there are plenty of developers out there that are doing different tiers of services different tiers of apps in app purchases all those things and this ain't it <laughs> It's a good model, though, actually, from a sustainability point of view. Subscription software is actually very pro-developer. Because it means you get out of the rat race of having to pretend that there's a reason that people should pay you again. So you, you start making silly features to bloat out the app just so you can sell them another version. Whereas on a subscription model, you get to actually develop the app in the best interest of everyone and you know you're going to get paid. Yeah, and that's something we could probably do a whole show about oh, uh, yeah. the, the, the various uh, software rental or subscription models. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so so many different variants out there. Anyway, so quick story number two. <laughs> I don't mind. I, to be honest, I don't mind this one went long because I was fifty fifty on whether this was a quick one or not. So it turns out I just chose wrong. Um, the the problem that has been talked about before, where you have an iPhone and then you stop having an iPhone and your text messages all go missing from people who have iPhones. That problem is going away. Apple have given you a place where you can, up uh, where you can basically recover that. So that's good. Why do Apple always do this to us so that we go, ah, oh, at last? Yeah. There's so many things that they've done over, over the years where, I mean, there's been big cheers when they've been announced, but basically it's, oh, thank goodness for that. Oh, you're finally doing the right thing. Well done. Would you like a lollipop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think they should be commended for being so slow, but thank goodness it's here at last. Yes. Um, something else that caught my eye, we didn't really talk much about Apple Pay in this show because that was, that was not really been much changed this month, but uh, Square in an interview released, uh, announced that they, uh, they want to make Apple Pay work with the little Square devices, which I think is a great idea. So some people are saying, oh, this is a terrible competition for Square, but Square is saying, no, 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 we just want to make it easy to take payments if you're a small business. So they're on, they're on board with Apple Pay, which is cool. Uh, Apple and Union Pay have gotten together so that you can now use Union Pay in China to buy stuff on the App Store. Apparently, if you're in China, that is like a super mega major big deal. Uh, I don't know about that, but that's what people are saying. And finally, Apple made a big deal or made put a lot of effort, is probably a nice way to say it, in supporting World AIDS Day 2015. They're donating a portion of their Black Friday sales. They have a product red section in the App Store, and basically developers who take part in this put their app in that section, and then all the money 
from the sales for a certain amount of time goes to Red rather than to Apple or to the developer, which is a really cool thing to provide, and there's some nice apps in there in the Red section. I, I bought a few. Um, so have a look, and then you get a cool app, and you get to do some good. And that is all she wrote, as they say. Anything else that I've missed out on that maybe we want to mention before we wrap up? No. no. So no that that, that, is, that is the month that was. Um, obviously, next month will be a bit of a... I don't, I've no idea when the show is going to come out for December, because it's a kind of an odd season, but there will be a show talking about all the news that happens in December, but it may just come at a funny time, because, well, that's just the way it is at that time of year. Thank you very much to the entire to the panel for joining us today. Um, let's go out in reverse order. So, Stefan, thank you very much for joining us, especially because it's an hour later for you. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure, and hopefully we'll we'll hear your voice on the the Mac shows more often going forward. Well, uh, next time I'll try to be around. Excellent. Uh, people who speak Dutch can listen to you on Tech Forty Five. What's the URL for that? Uh, you can find us at Tech Forty Five dot be. Uh, it's a, a similar podcast to this this one it talks about technology, but then uh, in Dutch and on a weekly basis. And it's 45 minutes long, hence the name. That's uh, what we try to do, but we, we, never, uh, we never succeed. Well, this is theoretically an hour-long show. <laughs> yeah. so. uh, and do you want to give out any, any other links? Well, if people want to uh, catch up with me uh, personally, you can find me on, on Twitter and Facebook under my name, which is Stefan Lesage, S-T-E-F-A-N-L-E-S-A-G-E. Excellent. Uh, Nick, thank you again for joining us. And any links you'd like to give out? Uh, uh, only my Twitter handle, which is Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And that's where you can find me. I don't actually tweet that much, but when I do, well, that's right. If someone vehemently disagrees with one of your points, they can have at it. Yeah, they can. They can or much it. better still, they can tell you how great of a contribution you made. That's a much more productive thing to do. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, Chuck, thank you for joining us. Um, not, no idea what time of day it is for you. It's probably lunchtime or something. No, it's uh, it's it's headed toward dinner time. Okay, well then, bon appetit soon. Thank you for joining us. Um, what links would you like to give out to people? Uh, thank you, Bart. It's always fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can pretty much link to everything that I do, um, all the shows, Twitter handle, uh, everything at macvoices.com. That's that's the central place to go and find everything. And there's there's a lot there, so explore a little. Makes sense. If I may say, thank goodness you consolidated it all under one brand. <laughs> well, it. It, it ended up being the, – the reason it all got consolidated, Bart, is because it became too much of a hassle to maintain all the separate websites. And right. the, the shows were no problem. I'm still doing the shows. It's just trying to maintain multiple websites becomes a real challenge and so went a different direction. Also, it means that you get credit for all of your work now because it's all in the one place and so people realize it's the same person doing all these cool things. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like yours. Uh, you, you, you realize that there are people that know one show, but they don't know know another. Uh, just like let's, let's talk Apple versus let's talk photography. Uh, so you, you consolidate them, and then all of a sudden people say, wow, I didn't know you, this was going on. Only yeah. in my case, I have two. <laughs> you have slightly more. Yeah, <laughs> a couple. Mind you, you do this for a living, so I guess that's somewhat different. Well, not completely, but it, 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 I'm working on it. <laughs> Semi-pro, then. <laughs> anyway thank you Chuck um, 
Before we round out, just to remind everyone that you can find the website for this show, including detailed show notes. So basically all the links we use to inform ourselves are available over on the website, which is lets-talk.ie. Uh, you'll also find two large blue buttons in the sidebar next to the show notes. Um, they have labels like support the show. Uh, the first button takes you to our Patreon page. The idea of Patreon is that you pledge a small amount of money for every episode I actually manage to get posted. And then at the end of the month, Patreon will debit your credit card whatever amount of it is, you know, like a dollar or two probably. And then it all goes to me at the end. And that's really cool because I pay one set of PayPal fees on all of those little contributions. So it actually works really nicely to help pay the bills. Uh, but the other option is just the giant big PayPal button. You click on that once and then just, you know, do the thing. Um, thank you. Especially, and a special big thank you always actually to the Patreon supporters. You, you guys make it possible for me to do these shows every month because the money you guys pledge, I can set off against the monthly bill for my server, which comes in every month. And it's so nice to have some income to put against that spending. So thank you all. Anyway, that's enough blathering on from me. I've been your host, Bart Bouchas. You can find me at bartb.ie. Until next time, happy computing, and also enjoy the holidays. You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Ever think about becoming a podcaster, thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard? Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting, and I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for primetime. time.